Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad you found us and we hope you'll feel free to share these reflections with people you know. If you know of anyone who would like to be a part of our email list, just have them call the church office and we'll get it done right away. Now, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts and minds to listen to God's Spirit by stilling our hearts as we listen to this wonderful music played by our one of our wonderful musicians, Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. The background to this amazing story of grace is that David has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel, supplanting the first king of Israel, King Saul. Saul has fallen out of God's favor, but Saul is not willing to give up the throne. Instead, he grows insanely jealous of David, causing David to flee with his men and resorting to guerrilla warfare out in the wilderness. So this is where our story picks up. So hear the word of God again from 1 Samuel chapter 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to look for David and his men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepholds beside the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. 
Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will give you your enemy into, into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David went and stealthily cut off a corner of Paul's Saul's robe. Afterward, David was stricken to the heart because he had cut off a corner of Saul's cloak, and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against him, for he is the Lord's anointed. So David scolded him, the men severely and did not permit them to attack Saul. Then Saul got up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterwards, David also rose up and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of those who say, David seeks to do you harm? This very day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave, and some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not raise my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see, the corner of your cloak is in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your cloak and did not kill you, you may know for certain that there is no wrong or, wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you are hunting me to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the ancient proverb says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Again, whom has the king come, on, come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog, a single flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you. May he see to it and plead my cause and vindicate me against you. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Today you have explained how you have dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For who has ever found an enemy and sent the enemy safely away? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not wipe out my name from my father's house. So David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Miroslav Volf, the Yale theologian and native of the old Yugoslavia, tells the story of adopting their son, Nathaniel. They have been put in contact with a pregnant, unwed, soon-to-be mother who wanted to give her baby up for adoption. And arrangements were made, and about three months later, the phone call came. The little boy had entered the world, and the Volfs couldn't sleep the whole night in preparation for the drive to the hospital to bring home their adopted son. They stopped for a donut on the way, and in leaving the donut shop, parking lot, the excited father turned the wrong way on a one-way street directly in front of a police officer. The lights on the officer's car began flashing, so the couple pulled over just minutes away from the hospital and receiving their newborn child. 
Eager to explain this to the officer and used to the old Yugoslavian custom, the custom that when stopped by a police officer, you were obligated to get out of the car, the professor stepped out of the car only to hear the officer yell back, get back in the car. Oh, but you don't understand, officer. I, I just wanted to tell you, get back in the car, the officer yelled, which the professor promptly did. License and registration. And from there, the air from the balloon of adoption escaped until they got handed a ticket and a stern warning for the officer, next time pay attention. Professor Wolf does not blame the officer. After all, he was the one who made the mistake and the officer was just doing his job and maybe just maybe got out of the wrong side of the bed in the morning. But the encounter was this jolting reminder that two human beings can be this close and yet this far. The excitement of new life, the abrupt enforcement of the law, and then the question, does the world have to be as harsh as we make it out to be? Our story in 1 Samuel today is one of those stories of amazing grace when two men who had been at one point almost as close as brothers had allowed jealousy and fear and revenge to make them into enemies, one a fugitive from the other, and yet when the moment came when the hunted was given the chance to do away with the hunter, David the hunter, with miraculous restraint, refrained from giving King Saul his just deserts and instead spared his life at the risk that maybe someday Saul would not spare his. That's usually not how these stories go. It's usually kill or be killed, get the other guy before he gets you, teach him a lesson he'll never forget. Scripture has a different lesson to be taught, doesn't it? It stands out not only in the Bible, but in all of history are those moments and events when people rise up over their base emotions and grievances and find the way to bridge the divide and not broaden it. Vengeance transmits pain and hate, but forgiveness transforms it such that we can sustain goodness in the world. The story is told of a time near the first part of last century when the great concert pianist Ignaz Paderewski was invited by a couple of students at Stanford University to give a concert on their campus. It was a plot on the part of the students to raise enough money for themselves to help pay their tuition, which they couldn't afford. Well, the great Paderewski agreed to come for a fee of $2,000, a lot of money back at the turn of last century. And he came and performed a wonderful concert. And when the concert was over, the two students showed up backstage and with forlorn faces informed the great pianist that they had only raised $1,600 in ticket sales and they were $400 short and didn't even have the expenses paid. They handed Pedereski a $1,600 check and asked if it was at all possible to give him an IOU for the 400 that they would work to earn the money and send to him when he returned to Europe. Pedereski thought for a moment, and then in front of the students took the $1,600 check and tore it in two and said, I'm sorry you didn't raise the money, boys, but I'll tell you what, you take the $1,600, pay for your expenses, and keep the rest. Well, years later, long after Paderewski had returned to his native Poland, World War I broke out, and in its aftermath, much of Europe laid waste. Paderewski had since been elected president and was preparing himself to intervene with the United States to assist his starving Polish and European countrymen. But prior to his trip, President Herbert Hoover made the decision to open our storehouses and to ship food to Poland and to the rest of Europe. 
Paderewski made then his trip to the U.S. to thank the president for this gracious act of humanitarian aid. What can ever be done to repay you, Paderewski asked. Hoover waved the question aside and reminded the great pianist that he was one of the two Stanford students whose debt he had forgiven long before. The world does not have to be as harsh as we make it out to be. Is there a person in your life whose distance from you doesn't have to be so distant? Is there a bridge that can be built between, between you and another with grace and forgiveness and magnanimity? You are more righteous than I, said the king to David, for you have repaid me with good, whereas I have repaid you with evil. The world is changed for good, one gracious and righteous act at a time. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity every day to meet the world with grace and to surprise people with mercy and that through such acts that the world may come to become a better place, a more gentle place, a place where righteousness abounds. So bless us as we seek to be your light in the world, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.